Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay. The reason I mentioned that chapter 7 is very interesting in between 6 and 8 is because in chapter 6, Jesus, the Lamb, who was slain, begins to open the seven seals of the scroll that was in the hand of Father God. And in chapter 6, six seals are open, but not the seventh. So we go into chapter 7, you would presume that the seventh seal is going to be open here in this chapter, but it will not be. That will not happen until chapter 8. And this is a good place for us just to mention that the book of Revelation, though it does have a chronology to some parts of it, it's not written from chapter 4 through chapter 22 in chronological order. So, We have to see how these events play out. I do feel, at least my perspective is, that the seals leading to the seventh seal, the seventh seal, when we get to chapter eight, uh, in the seventh seal come the seven trumpets. And then in the seventh trumpet comes the seven bowls. And so those three sets, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, are They're touching each other. The seventh of each opens up the next set. And so I do believe that is in chronological order. And that does span the uh, vast part of the tribulation period. But then you have these other sections like chapter seven, which is an overlay. In other words, you sort of on the chronological timeline, you have to pull this out and insert it in a certain place on the timeline. But this is just the way that John saw it. And so he saw it. So he wrote about it. And this is kind of the way prophecy happens too. prophecy will happen. You know, we know in part and we prophesy in part. And so here comes a word of prophecy. Here's another word of prophecy. Here's another word of prophecy. But that doesn't mean that the sequential order of how it will play out, for example, is identical to the sequential order of how it was prophesied. So it's just the wisdom of God and these things are mysteries until the Lord enlightens us. So here we go. Chapter seven, uh, and we're taking uh, something of a hiatus between six and eight, and we're going to read this. It says, after these things I saw. So this is true that he saw it after he saw what's captured in chapter six, but it doesn't mean that it all plays out this exact in this exact sequence. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Now you think, does the earth have four corners? The Bible talks as if the earth has four corners specifically in certain parts of the Bible and the book of Revelation, and especially when it's talking about the winds, the winds and how things function with the wind and the weather patterns of the earth. So it says, after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Listen to this. Having the seal 
of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Now, there are four angels. Now, this is judgment. Now, the book of tribulation, excuse me, the tribulation period is judgment from God on the wickedness and the sin uh, and rebellion of people on the earth. And so now here there are four angels uh, that have been granted power to bring judgment on the earth. But notice this, this one angel that we're talking about cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads till we have sealed them. Now, we know we're going to talk later about the mark of the beast on either the right hand or the forehead. But notice now here's a different seal. This is a seal of God. And uh, this one angel says to the other four that we're going to do the harm, don't do any harm until we seal them. Now, this is a parallel to the book of Exodus, where I believe it was the third plague, maybe the flies, where God made a division between the land of Goshen and the land of Egypt. And even though Egypt had the plagues from there on out, Goshen did not where Israel was. And then, of course, the 10th plague, you know, take a lamb, each one of you, each family, put the uh, kill it at twilight on the 14th day and put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel of the door. And when the destroyer comes to your house and sees the blood, the destroyer will pass over your house and go on. And of course, the Egyptians' homes uh, had the death, uh, each one of the firstborn. But in Israel's homes that put the blood, of course, they did not. And so we see this parallel once again to Passover in the book of Revelation where God is showing protection. Now, you may remember and say, yeah, but what about those martyrs? There are martyrs. There are indeed martyrs. But that doesn't mean that the majority of people are martyrs. We don't really know what percentage would be martyrs, but we do know that there's a certain number that God knows will be martyred for the name of the Lord. But notice the protection on the people of God, that God is saying, I want to seal. The angel is saying, I want to seal them on their foreheads. Verse four, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So notice of the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, some people believe that this is more symbolic and that this would be for all believers, whether Jew or Gentile. But because it goes tribe by tribe, I tend to lean toward this actually being Messianic Jews. In other words, Jewish people from these tribes who may or may not even know what tribe they're from, to tell you the truth. But they have put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ or in Yeshua, as it said in Hebrew. So it's, it goes through the tribes of the tribe of Judah. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Gad. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Asher. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Naphtali or Naphtali. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Levi. Remember, Levi had been separated from the others to serve in the tabernacle. But notice they're included here in the 12. 
of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Let me turn my page here. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you remember when God separated the Levites for himself in place of the firstborn sons? He used the two sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, each to have uh, tribes so that there were still 12. But notice here that there's a tribe missing, and it's the tribe of Dan. And some people speculate on why exactly that is. And uh, I, I don't know that anybody knows for sure why. But I'll tell you something interesting about the tribe of Dan. When Dan had been given a territory in the promised land under Joshua, Dan was not satisfied with that territory, and the tribe of Dan ended up sending scouts up to the north, and they found the territory of Laish. And you remember this, that uh, it was an unprotected city or town, and they went up and they uh, took that city, and of course it was the promised land, so they could take it, and then they dwelt up in the north. And that's where you get the term from Dan to Beersheba, Dan in the north and Beersheba to the south that you see uh, you know, a number of times in the Old Testament. So it makes you wonder because they didn't retain the territory that they had been allotted. You know, I don't think God would have minded that they would have expanded their territory, but because they didn't retain the territory, it makes you wonder if that's not the reason that they lost their place here in the book of Revelation. Doesn't mean that descendants of the tribe of Dan will not be saved or able to be saved, I believe. Absolutely, they are able to be saved. <clears throat> After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude. Now watch this. Here's a transition. After these 144,000 were sealed, protected, identified by God, by this angel sealing them on their forehead, before the other angels unleashed destruction. After these things, verse 9, John said, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Now, he just finished saying from 12 tribes, 12,000 from each of these 12 tribes of Israel. Then John says, after these things, I looked and I saw this huge multitude from every tribe. Now we're not talking about just the tribes of Israel. We're talking about every tribe in the whole world. Peoples, tongues, nations standing before the throne with white branches, palm branches, and verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So this huge multitude is crying out. Verse 11, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. So this huge multitude uh, is worshiping the Lord. And now these angels and the, and the creatures and the elders, they all chime in and say, Amen, which means so be it 
or let it be done. They chime in, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Verse 13, then one of the elders answered, saying to me. So John is saying one of these elders, and we presume one of the 24, said to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? Well, we know the 144,000 were 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel, people who were on the earth and needed to be sealed for protection from the destruction that was coming. But now this huge multitude uh, of people from every tribe and nation, this elder asked John, who are these people arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I like John's answer. He said, and I said to him, sir, you know, <laughs> it's his uh, subtle way of saying, I don't know, but I think you do. He said, sir, you know. Then he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Now, listen to this. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Now, some people presume that they were martyred because before we saw people who were martyred, some of which were in the great tribulation and martyred in the tribulation, and they were given white robes. And so some have presumed these must be people that were martyred. But it doesn't specifically say that. It just says, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. So, uh, some have speculated that maybe they're still on the earth, but they're washed in white robes and they're being separated from the tribulation that is happening in the earth. But this says... They are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them, and they shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so, uh, as far as I can tell, they're before the throne of God, and John was caught up to be before the throne of God. So it seems like these people have come out of the tribulation period. They've made it through the tribulation period. Uh, could they have been martyrs? Well, they could have been, but it doesn't say that here. It seems to me like the bottom line is they made it through. This is evidently the company of all the believers that have come out of the tribulation period. They made it. God protected them. Uh, they either died or they made it through all the way. And now here they are clothed in white, washed in the blood of Jesus. And the lamb is going to shepherd them forever and ever and ever. They'll never be separated from him again. And I just love the last sentence, the last verse in chapter seven. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So these people had tears. Well, they've been through some things, haven't they? They've come out of the great tribulation. They've come through some things, but notice this, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
It gives, it's the picture of, you know, when you have a small child and they're running and maybe they fall down and they scrape their knee really hard or their elbow and they're just crying and they come to you and you pick them up and such. And they're just really crying because, well, it, it scared them, but also they're in a little bit of pain. And so it just, oh, they need that comfort. And you not only hug them and hold them and say, it's okay, but then often you just just take your thumb and you just wipe away those tears from their eyes. Why? Because you care deeply about them, because you don't want them to hurt. You don't want them to be sad. You want to comfort them. You want to let them know that they're there. Listen, this awesome being, creator of heaven and earth, who's seated on the throne in all of this beauty and majesty, what does he do? Every one, every one of this huge multitude, he wipes the tears. In fact, it says every tear and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Now, exactly how that happens, I don't know. But I know this. It's very tender. It's very tender. It's it's God revealing here that even though it may seem like I didn't care about you, it may seem like where was I in the midst of such adversity, in the midst of such tribulation that's happening, coming on the world? Where was I? And God is now saying, no, I'm here. I'm here and I've saved you for all of eternity. And from now on, I'm not going to let any tear be in your eye. I'm going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no more pain. He'll go on to say in a later chapter, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. These former things have passed away. And in essence, sin and rebellion and all the wickedness of the world has brought about this judgment. And yes, that judgment adversely affects all of us in the world. But God is now saying, but now I brought the judgment. I brought a conclusion to this. And now I'm wiping away the tears. There's not going to be any more of that. You're with me now. You're safe. What a precious picture of God's heart and God's love for us. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.